Scott and Leighton and I have this, this theme of this idea of, of kingdom. And, uh, and both Dave and Jen have shared about it. Uh, Jen shared about the eternal seed uh, that, that God gives us and, uh, uh, and that everything we need is found in that seed. And Dave shared about yeast and the importance of the kingdom choosing to be good yeast or leaven or, um, or bad. And that the kingdom of God starts in us and outworks through us which I think is so good. It sort of fits really well into what I've been, like God's laid in my heart. The idea of kingdom of heaven, sometimes we think kingdom of heaven, as soon as we hear the word heaven, we sort of push it back into when we leave the nursing home. You know, we think heaven is what happens on the other side. And I think when we start to think heaven in that way, or the kingdom of heaven, we're actually missing the point of what Jesus was talking about, because he would say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's very near. And so um, I want to touch on where I was probably three weeks ago and then share something I think that is really important for where we are as a church. Um, Matthew is the uh, talk, well John the Baptist bursts onto the scene back at the beginning of Matthew and he starts off by saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And for the Jews that were hearing the message of John the Baptist, it was significant. And I know Dave touched on this last week because uh, the idea of kingdom goes way back to the Old Testament. And, and Daniel would say uh, he had a vision. And in that vision, it continued at night. He saw someone like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient One and was led into his presence and was given authority, honor, sovereignty over the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. That is the kingdom. So when uh, John the Baptist came and he was declaring that the kingdom of heaven was near, as soon as the word kingdom was spoken, they associated back to the prophets and the coming of a king. And so we see Matthew's recording what, what Daniel was referring to. And it was that a new reality is at place. But both Matthew and Daniel wanted to know, well, Daniel was telling us what will happen but Matthew and John the Baptist are saying, hey guys, there's a new reality in place. Before Jesus, there was an old kingdom. But with the coming of Jesus, a new kingdom is at hand. And uh, as we read the New Testament, we see that this new kingdom is accessible, it's reachable. And the new kingdom brings with it a new king. King, kingdom, king's dominion. The kingdom of God is with God's realm. It's God's domain. It's where God is, in, is, is ruling. And so, I'm just revisiting a thought from my last message, and then I'll move into what I've got for today. And so, Paul would, uh, Paul would talk about the treasure of heaven. And that's what the, the title of my message was, Hidden Treasure. And so, Paul would say, Though I'm the least deserving of God's people, He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. This was the message Jenny had regarding the seed. We have endless treasure, endless, infinite, countless treasure available to us through Jesus, in Jesus. And so Paul would say, yeah, certainly, what, what's that treasure look like? Well, there's certainly grace and truth. Uh, that sort of, there's grace and God's goodness and God's kindness and wisdom. There's so much available to us as Christians. But all these things are available to us and we... It's sort of like you've got this resource and you, you don't access it. It's like you've got all this money in the bank. Who's got lots of money in the bank? I'd like to... No one's going to put their hand up for that one. Joel Johnston has. Okay. And Isaac. 
Uh, that one will break. I'll come to see you later. Um, but if you think about it, it's like God, Jesus has got us everything. It's like our bank accounts are full, our heavenly bank account is full. But we still need to access it. It's like your ATM, you can have all the money, but you've still got a responsibility to access it. So we have endless treasure available to us. And uh, in my last message, I shared how Jesus described the kingdom of heaven. Jesus would say, I'm going to look at my notes because I'm do my neck in over there. Uh, he would say, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned in order to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered the pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Jesus is mean. Some, sometimes the parables are a little bit complicated. Uh, Jesus needed to explain it later on. But these ones are pretty, pretty straightforward. Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure and it's like a pearl. Great value. If you make it really personal, Jesus is the treasure and Jesus is the pearl. Knowing Jesus, and if you're here this morning, if you've been a Christian for a, a length of time, hopefully you know that knowing Jesus is the greatest treasure you could ever have. A personal connection with Jesus, a, a friendship with the Lord, is the greatest thing you could ever have. Hopefully you know that. But I do wonder if we are like these two men, who are willing to sell everything, willing to surrender everything, to take hold of the treasure. I'd love to say I'm always like that. I'd love to say it, but I can't. Because, because sometimes I'm not sure that I really want to give up everything. I'm not sure sometimes I'm really prepared to surrender my stuff or my time or, or my, my plans or my schedule. Sometimes, yeah, I, I'd, love to, I'd love to think I'm like that, but... but, but Deep down inside, I know I'm not always like that. Yeah, Jesus is a great. Jesus is my greatest treasure, and I do love him and I do value him. But but, do I really have to die to myself? Do I? Did Jesus really call me to take up my cross and follow him? I'd, I'd much rather be a happy Christian. I'd much rather be a Christian that doesn't have a cross. I'd much rather be a believer who just, who just has a convenient faith that doesn't require anything. I'd, I'd much rather be a, be, a, be a Christian that can just come along and, and do church and, and, and maybe give some money and, and maybe make, cook some soup. And, and, but, but anything beyond that sometimes is just so inconvenient. That's me. Sometimes. But I think that's all of us sometimes. Am I really prepared to surrender all that? Am I really prepared to go all in? Any poker players here? Don't, don't put your hand up. <laughs> but am I really prepared to, to put everything in? Am I really prepared to bet it all on Jesus? Or on the Matildas? How's the game, Sam? Good game? Sam was there. We almost hear you screaming. Well, Ali, but she was watching. And I left. Who else watched the Mildred Silvers play? Did you hear Sam screaming? 
Does Jeremy? Jeremy. All right. Am I really prepared to go all in? Are you really? I know you're going to say yes because I say yes, but are we really prepared to go all in for Jesus? Are we really prepared to go all out, regardless of the cost, regardless of of the time or finances or or my plans or my surrender? That's a, that's a question I think we need to wrestle with. And so, so my last message, I raised a thought. I don't think I articulated it super well. We talked about the treasure. We talked about the field because the treasure is found in the field. And so sometimes if we want the treasure, we've got to understand it comes with the field. <coughs> and there's a cost to being a disciple. The cost is often we've got to deal with the field. And the field comes with all sorts of stuff. All sorts of health issues or family issues or work issues or, or, or mental issues or struggles. It, it, it's just part of the field. And I guess what I, I really want to my first thought this morning before I change gears. I don't want you to get distracted by the trouble of the field. And there is, there is challenges in the field. That's, that's the life you live in. What do you think about the illustration Jesus gave of a man who found treasure in the field? If he had to deal with some rocks that needed moving and he needed to hire some people to, to come and move the rock. I mean, I'm trying to go very practical with the illustration. If there was something in the field he needed to deal with, where did he get the resources to deal with it? Did he have to dig into his own pocket? There's treasure. The resources he needed to deal with the problems in the field is found in the treasure. If he needed to, to get a backhoe in to dig up some roots or chop down some trees or to, or, or to go, go to Bunnings and, and, and spray the weeds up, the resources that he needs to deal with the stuff is found in the treasure. He, can, he could go and access, he's got, he's got unlimited treasure, he's found treasure. And so I just wanted to, to I felt I need to highlight this point. You may be going through something in your field, something that's hard and difficult and painful and discouraging and, and just hard work and it's, and I know some of you are. I know some of you are facing some big health challenges. I know some of you are facing some big family challenges. I know some of you are, uh, are working through decisions and choices for careers and jobs and what am I going to do with this? I, I know you've got a lot of stuff going on in your field. I know that. And I want to encourage you, the way you deal with that stuff is to go to the treasure. What you need, you don't need to come up with the resources or the answers yourself. I want to encourage you to go to the treasure. And that's Jesus. So all that you need, the wisdom that you need, the, the strength that you need, the hope that you need, the joy that you need, the faith that you need, all of that comes from Jesus. That's in that seed. That's the treasure. We have access to unlimited resource. Treasure in heaven. In Jesus. Your spiritual bank account is full. We have a part to play to access it. So I wanted to start there because I really felt that I needed to highlight that because you might be saying, but Mark, I've been, I'm dealing with this stuff. Can I encourage you that the answer, the resource, the strength, whatever you need, you can find it in Jesus. You can find it through a relationship with Jesus. 
through connecting to him. And so this morning I want to shift the, the, the paradigm a little bit, shift, shift our focus. Because I want to talk about a different type of treasure, and I want to talk about a different type of field. Different treasure, different field. And uh, John, the Gospel writer, John would tell a story uh, in John chapter 4 of Jesus interacting with a Samaritan woman he meets beside the well. If you've been in church any length of time, you may be familiar with the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. I'm going to read just a couple of verses and share a few thoughts. And so in John chapter 4, we find, eventually Jesus came to a Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Just a thought there. Jesus got tired. Jesus got weary. So if you're here and you're tired and weary, you don't need to put on a positive face and go, yeah, I'm going on. Sometimes it's okay to understand, you know what? The stuff of life is making me tired and weary. And sometimes you just need to sit down and, and rest. If Jesus gives, Jesus did that, I want to give you permission. If Jesus can do it, surely we can take the time to rest. So Jesus sat down beside the well. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for the Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to him, Jesus, said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? You know, it's very easy for us just to read through that story and just, just keep reading. But there is a lot of context to that story. I can understand why, if you, in some ways, you could think, well, that's just someone asking for a drink. But the fact is that she was a Samaritan, and Samaritans and Jews didn't get on. Samaritans were sort of half-caste Jews. They, had a different, they believed in a different place of worship. They had a different view of the, the Jewish Bible. They were, they, were, they were like cousins. They're like really weird cousins. Anyone got any really weird cousins here? Not here. Or here. <laughs> I know some of you had them right here. And if you didn't put your hand up, you could be the weird cousin. I'm not too, I'm not, if I preach this message in your cousin's church, they'd be putting their hands up and go, yep, it's Jenny. So, <laughs> that's a Samaritan the Jews. In fact, they, they, they didn't get on well at all. And so, um, uh, not only that, men in Jewish culture wouldn't talk to women, let alone Jesus, who was a Jewish rabbi, he would not talk to a woman, let alone a Samaritan woman. It was unthinkable. So in verse 10, Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I will give you living water. And here becomes a fascinating uh, interaction Jesus had with the woman, which we're not going to dig into in this message. But it ends with Jesus giving her, this Samaritan woman who was a nobody, Jesus actually telling her that he was the Messiah. The greatest revelation he would make, the first time he makes his revelation, would be to a Samaritan woman. <coughs> Either he did, verse 26, he'd go, I am, I am the Messiah. So, most people... Most people, and the disciples went into town to buy some food, they would have seen this woman come in the other way. But most people would look at her field, 
And we learned through the conversation that she had four broken marriages. We'd see she had a broken life. She would have been rejected by four different men. She would have been rejected, she would have been considered an outcast in society. Rejected by, I'm not too sure what her family thought of her, what her friends thought of her. She was isolated and alone. She came by herself at the wrong time to get water. Something was going on in this woman's life. But most of us would look at her field. She would have been an embarrassment to her family. She would have been disgraced and disregarded. It's very easy for us to look at her field and see that it was a mess. Her field was messy. Her field was full of all sorts of stuff. Stuff dumped in it by, by men and society and family and culture. Her field was full of stuff that no one would want too hard to deal with. In, uh, in verse 27, the disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? As I said, most people would see her field, would see the mess and the stench and the stuff in her field. I said the disciples went in the village, they likely walked past her and they probably walked on the other side of a road because they didn't want anything to do with her because she had a field. But when Jesus looked at her, he didn't see the mess. He saw the treasure. So Jesus didn't look at the field and the stuff and the ugliness and the pain. Jesus looked beyond the field and he saw her worth. He saw her value. Jesus saw her significance and her identity. And Jesus took the time to help her see that although your field may be messy, that you have incredible treasure and worth and value. That Jesus would say that he came to seek and to save the lost, the broken, the dying, the hurting. In verse 28, it goes on to say that Jesus left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the disciples went into town to look for sandwiches. The woman goes back into town and comes back with people. In verse 30, the people came streaming from the village to see him. When people heard that there is someone who doesn't care about the mess in their field, when people hear that there's a, there's a God in heaven who loves them no matter what, no matter what they've done, no matter what they've said, no matter where, when people can hear a message about an unconditional love that God has for them, I tell you what, they would come streaming to Jesus. That happened throughout the Gospels. Jesus was attractive, not necessarily like me, but... Um, I don't say anything, no one. No one. Jesus was attractive because he was a reflection of the heart of God for a humanity that is broken and dying and lost and has no value. He was attractive to them because he showed them grace and love. The people came streaming back from the village. Some of the commentaries would tell us that if you look at the, uh, the clothing that the Samaritans would wear, they would be dressed in white. Most Middle Eastern clothing would have been like that to keep away, to keep the, the heat reflected. 
But as they came running out of the village, coming streaming, they're coming down up to who would the, the well would likely be at the bottom of the hill, wouldn't it? Yes. That's where I'd put a well, closer to the water table. Is that right, Noah? You're going to carry the water up the hill. That complicates things. Anyway, they came to Jesus at the well, up or down. That's not for debate at the moment. But then at this point, remember they're, they're wearing white clothes and they're coming at this very point in verse 34. Jesus explained uh, to the disciples, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say to the disciples, wake up and look around. Wake up and look, the fields are white unto harvest. Uh, the, the visual that Jesus was given, the, the disciples are just carrying on as the disciples did and as we do. And Jesus said, hey, 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 I want you to wake up and look up and have a look around you. And they would have seen, physically seen, people running, all wearing white. And Jesus saying, the fields are white unto harvest. He's saying to the disciples, I want you to wake up and look around, look at the field, what can you see? He said, can you see treasure? Can you see value? Can you see something worthwhile? And not only that, he says that the fields are ripe and ready. And I know in a few weeks ago, Sarah shared a great message regarding that we're living in a world that's uncertain, that times are uncertain. A whole heap of people are worrying about AI or... Who's seen Mission Impossible? Six, six, seven. It's a good movie worth watching. I'm not going to give any deal breakers. What's it called? Spoilers. Spoilers. That's it. Poor deal breakers. Either way. Good movie. What I'm trying to say is we live in a world that is uncertain. People are looking for truth. I had the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses knock on my door yesterday. And I just had to stop them at the beginning. And that's, I, just, I, I just, just shared my... No, I didn't convert them. That wasn't my goal in any way. But I wanted, to know, I wanted them to know that, you know what, we're all part of the world that is a field. The world has all got all sorts of uncertainties. What's going to happen with AI? What's going to happen in, um, when it comes to defence force and AI? What's happening in, with the creativity and moving the poor? All, all the actors that are on strike at the moment because AI generating... whole rat. There's a lot of uncertainty for some very valid reasons in the world. People are searching for identity and value. There's fear... Pick, pick a war, pick a country, pick a situation. A lot of uncertainty in this world today. Anxiety. There's lack of identity. There's, there's hopelessness. There's people. Our friends, that's what I told my, my Jehovah's Witness friends. People are looking for good news. People are looking for hope. People are looking for some truth in the midst of a world that seems to hard to know where you can find truth anymore. And in, uh, in, in Matthew 9, I don't have the verse here, that Jesus looked at the crowds and said he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And I, I wonder, and my prayer has been, God, give me your, your heart for people. Help me to look beyond their field, beyond their troubles. Help me to see the treasure that you've placed in every single one. And so in this hopeless world, we have a message to share. The gospel of Jesus is more than just going to heaven when we die. 
Can I, can I tell you that the gospel, the good news, is more than just going to heaven when we die. The gospel is good news for not just then, it's good news for today. It's an invitation for us to be part of God's family. That was always the gospel. Oh, it was always the gospel that come and be part of the family of God. Come and become a child of God. God's community. God's people. And, and through that, to connect to God's redemption plan for all of humanity. That's the gospel. It's an invitation to receive the greatest treasure in Jesus and everything that His kingdom offers us today. So He says to His disciples, wake up, look around. There's treasure out there. There's a harvest out there. It's just waiting for you to do your part. You know, there's something that, when I think about the fields, <coughs> something that catches my attention. That for Jesus, his field was wherever lost, hurting, broken humanity could be found. That's the field. That's the field he went looking for treasure in. The sick, the distressed, the desperate, the messed up, they all had messed up fields and Jesus was comfortable to go into their fields to do the lepers, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the sinners, the rich, the poor, the successful, the failures, anyone and everyone, for Samaritans and, and Jews, and he'd go to Galilee, and he'd go to Jerusalem, he'd go to Bethany. Jesus would go wherever he needed to, to find the treasure in the field. And I believe our harvest field is the same. Certainly the field could be in, in, in Spain or in Kenya or Nigeria or Ukraine or New Zealand or India. That's some of the places that our church does mission work. But the field is also in high fields. It's in Cahyber, it's in Hamilton, it's in Windale, it's in Dudley, it's in Jasmine. Pick your suburb, it's there. That's a field. It's in, your, it's in your school, it's in your university, it's at your workplace, it's at your gym, it's, it's in your book club, it's, it's in your coffee shop. That's where you can find the field, wherever broken humanity is. People that are, and I just, uh, this week I watched a video that Julie sent me, I'm not going to talk about it, it's quite powerful. But, but, but people are like sheep or like horses that are just living in this world and, and they're going around doing what they think is right and, and uh, even just yesterday I was just walking through the, the, the shopping centre and I can just see people doing what they're doing and living life their own way and, and I don't know how many of them are just hoping things work out well. There is a, we are surrounded by people who are trying to make out where they fit in this world, finding their place. They're surrounded by sheep without a shepherd, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know where they're going, and they're struggling to find their fit. Friends, we need to know as a church where to find treasure. And I'll tell you where the treasure is. It's in the field. Yes, there's beautiful treasure in this, in this community here. We're all, we are so loved and valued by God. But before we can get our hands on treasure, we need to get in the field. And you're thinking, yeah, that's the job of the church, that's the job of the pastors, that's the job of the elders, that's the job of the youth leaders. Oh, no, no, hang, hang on a sec. That's all about job. It's time for us to wake up and look around. Maybe ask God to open our eyes to the treasure of humanity that is lost and broken. Like sheep without a shepherd. 
Maybe it's time for us to go into the field to show people the treasure they have. Joan and David are doing it. They're going into the field. I don't know. Kissing people at the end of their life that are, that are struggling for meaning and, or maybe struggling for meaning and at a stage where they're resting, have I been good enough? Have I done enough? They're willing to go into the field. Willing to go into the Hamilton. I don't know. I'm just using them as an example. I know many of you, I do know many of you are already doing that. You're already in the field. You're already being an a avenue for, for God's love and grace to pour into people. And I think that's so good. It's time for us to wake up and look up. It's time to show people that they have great treasure available to us in heaven, in Jesus. And it's time for us to show people what that looks like, what the treasure of heaven looks like, what, that, what the kingdom of heaven looks like in people. That there's, there's, there's treasure available to you that Paul would tell us that our goal is to show people the endless treasure available to them in Jesus. And to show people, yeah, it's worth it. Young people, it's worth your while. Jesus is worth your while. And I know there's stuff coming up in life. I know there's, there's challenges and there's fields. I know that. And there's times when the world is going to so easily try to pull you away and, and drag you away by its intellect or its, or its culture or its values. or its. I know that. I know that. But I want you to know that Jesus is the greatest treasure you could ever have. And he is worth it. He is worth saying no to others who try to pull you away. He is worth making your decisions and shaping what you do. And, and he is worth arranging your life around him. I know that. And I want you in the years ahead to remember that. He is worth holding on to. Not just in your head, but in your heart. He is the greatest treasure. He's worth going all in for. I think we need to, well, I need to, all of us need to, ask Jesus to show us what what our field looks like, what it looks like for me, for my family. And ask Jesus to give us grace to go into that field. At some stage we need to understand that Christianity is, is more than convenience and comfort. Church is not, not about this, it's, it's really about the field. We love our gatherings and to encourage, to build, to worship and celebrate. But God's challenge for all of us is to go into the field. You know, I'm so grateful that uh, someone saw the treasure in this field. My parents saw the treasure in this field that would take me to a place where I would make a, a decision to surrender to Jesus. I'm, are you grateful that someone took the, the time to and saw treasure in you? And someone took the time to, to, exp, to, to show you God's grace and love? Are you, are you, are you grateful for that? That someone saw treasure in you, you might be thinking, um, why, how can anyone see anything of value in me? And someone, maybe your parents, maybe your youth leader, maybe your friend, maybe, maybe someone at work went through an awkward conversation perhaps, and they were willing to tell you that you were valuable and loved by God, and something stirred inside your heart that didn't make sense to you, and you decided to, you know what, I need to find out more about this God in heaven who loves me. Someone saw treasure in you, and someone was willing to cross the room or cross 
cross the line, have a conversation, take you somewhere and talk to you about Jesus. Aren't you glad someone did that? Someone is willing to do that for you. It could be people waiting for us to do that today. <coughs> I'll wrap up now. In, in Luke 10, Jesus uh, chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs into all the towns and places he planned to visit. And these were his instructions. The harvest is great. But the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. The treasure is in the field. Each one of you are incredibly valuable to God. And God's heart for humanity was displayed on a cross. And that is still valid and current. Jesus went to a cross because he wanted the treasure. He was prepared to go all in for you. He was prepared to surrender everything for you. Our response is yes, we can pray for more workers into the go into the harvest field. It's nothing easy. That's that's like an easy way out. I think our challenge is, Lord, help me to be that worker. Help me to be the one that will go into the field. Might get us all to stand together, please. I do want to pray. And I guess the, the prayer I want to pray are for those who I hesitate with this because I don't want just people to stick their hands up. Because I want you to, to, to consider are you willing to be field workers? Are you willing are you wanting to be willing to be able to go and find treasure, be treasure hunters that's a better way that's the call. So I'm going to ask for a simple, a simple show. If, if you want to be, if you want to, if, and I want to, my prayer, just so you know, full disclaimer, I'm going to pray in a second, and I'm going to pray that God opens your eyes to the treasure in the field. That's the prayer, okay? So now you know what I'm going to pray. So now I'm going to ask you if you want to respond to that prayer. So the question is, if you're here this morning and you'd like God to open your eyes in a greater way to be treasure hunters. Give me a wave so Mark include me in your prayer. Okay. Uh, but good, I'm glad you could. And I appreciate those who've got their hands up and those who are still working out. This is not for everybody. Uh, this is just cool. We're going to pray that we would wake up and look up and we would see the treasure. So give me a wave again if that was you. Okay. So, Father God, I just come before you today, the Lord of the harvest. Lord, I thank you that, that you see us as treasure, that we are valuable, we are great value to you, and that, Jesus, you went all in. You surrendered your life to purchase us. 
And Lord, I just pray for us as a church, for this, the, the community that you've placed us in, the, the community from our university, our schools, our workplaces, to our streets, our neighbourhoods, Lord, you have placed us in the fields. And Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see the treasure in the field. Help us to look beyond the, 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 the mess and the stench and the stuff that comes with the field of people and help us to be okay with being inconvenienced or being uh, uncomfortable. But Lord, help us to have your eyes to see and, and your heart to discover and help people discover the treasure they have in you. Help us to be great treasure hunters. Understanding the treasure is all of you, Jesus. And Lord, I just pray that you would just give us the grace, the empowering, your empowering presence, your Holy Spirit upon us and within us to enable us to go and find the treasure. In Jesus' name. Amen.